Well, good evening, and welcome back to our study in the Gospel of John, and it's good to have you. Mark, how are you? I'm doing well. Well, good to see you. Looking forward again today to study John. Well, apparently, we did so well last week, we didn't get any questions or comments. Uh, That may not be because we did so well. (laughs) What we want to share with you, though, is just because we may have passed on some verses doesn't mean that we can't go back to them. Uh, If you have a question, last week we discussed uh, the prologue, Uh, so looked at the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John that really sets the stage for the entire book. But if you have a question over those verses or any thoughts or comments, let us know. Uh, And again, we're soliciting uh, your thoughts and comments as we go through this study. We would like for it to be as interactive as possible. Uh, even though we're meeting in the virtual world. So shoot us an email. Many of you have our text, our cell phones. Shoot us a text. We would love to hear from you as we study through the Gospel of John. All right, we ready to roll? We're ready. Okay, we're going to begin in verse 19. We're still in chapter 1, and uh, we're just going to go along at a pace here that helps us really emphasize some things that are important to us. And bear that in mind. We're not trying to hit every verse but some things that are important are important to us. So let's begin, verse 19, and John the Baptist. Yes, John the Baptist is begun here as far as John the Apostle is concerned. Uh, and he says that this is the witness of John. Uh, it's, it's interesting, if you go back to Matthew and Mark and Luke, uh, there's quite a bit of emphasis on, on John. John the Apostle is sort of picking up here where they left off in Matthew 4 and in Luke 4. But he's he's saying, this is what's happening with John the Baptist. Now, remember, Mary was with Elizabeth and the baby John leaped in the womb. So John and Jesus are pretty much the same age, maybe six months apart. John says he didn't know him. So it's interesting. They may have never met in those 30 years uh, in between. And we have to see an introduction here with the baptism. Uh, John tells us here in this, this passage. But John goes on to say, John the Apostle, this is what we know about John the Baptist. Uh, he was out preaching. Lots of people were coming to him. Lots of the common folks of the Jews were coming to Uh, John the Baptist, and was being baptized by him. The Pharisees, who seemingly were supposed to be looking for the Messiah, are out there wondering if John is maybe the Messiah. And so they're asking, the Jews, it says here, the Levites and the priests are asking John, are you the Christ? No. Well, are you Elijah? Now we've got to be a little careful here. John the Baptist answers, no. Well, we find over Matthew 17, Jesus saying what? That John the Baptist was uh, the spirit of Elijah coming to this earth. So uh, Malachi was not telling a story when he says Elijah was going to be coming back to proclaim Jesus as coming. But John says here, no. Well, then are you the prophet? Well, what prophet are we talking about? That's over back in Deuteronomy 18 where there was probably a misinterpretation, which it was really Jesus being the prophet, but these Jews were thinking there was going to be another prophet, possibly, before the Christ. So he's answering no to all of those. So he goes on to tell these people what they should be doing 
properly. That's when he gets down uh, to verse 29. Notice in verse 28, uh, he's saying now, this is John baptizing uh, in a place called Bethany. So he goes to 29, and there he's talking about Jesus coming and behold the Lamb of God. This is an interesting term. What, what do you think about the Lamb of God? Well, clearly John is putting emphasis on who Jesus really is. And I think it's also interesting to note when we study the Gospel of John, John is not only trying to promote the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, he's also trying to deal with a lot of false teaching, i.e. Gnosticism. And it may be in a way, John is also dealing with the crowd that was still following John the Baptist. We saw that with yes. Paul. Yes. Uh, when he got to Ephesus, there were those who were still following John the Baptist. So what John the Apostle does right at the very beginning, he says, John the Baptist says, this is the Messiah. Uh, John the Baptist says, he's not the prophet, but Jesus is. And so when he sees Jesus, he acknowledges Jesus as not just being king, but the sacrifice. Behold the Lamb of God. And this won't be the only time that John does that. And I, I feel that what John is actually doing is he's identifying Jesus so his disciples will know this is who you follow. He is the one much greater than me who, like he said to the religious teachers, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Well, uh, the Lamb of God would be so important to the Jew anyway. Sure. What would that mean to them? Day of Atonement? Uh, a lamb being sacrificed, one being left out. Uh, they understand what a lamb meant to them. Now you go to the Passover, you look yes. at the Passover feast, and, and even the sacrifices going, uh, well, really, all the way back yes. uh, to Cain and Abel. And you see the concept of a lamb and the purity of a lamb and the innocence of a lamb. And, and John is going to acknowledge Jesus is that lamb. Now, real quick before we move too far past that, I, it is interesting that John says, I didn't know him. Yes. Uh, in, in, and it could be, they just didn't hang around each other much. Clearly, John probably grew up in Judea. Jesus yeah. grows up in Galilee. Maybe they didn't see each other much. Uh, what is definitely clear is John didn't know he was truly the Messiah. No. Until. Until the baptism in the Spirit descends upon him. Exactly. And that's what it says here. Yeah. Uh, and I think when he says, I did not recognize him, I think that is exactly what he's saying. He may have known him as the person. He at least seems to feel that way. When Jesus comes to them in Matthew and Luke, right. you know, he says, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be baptizing you. Right. Um, and Jesus goes on to say, yes, you should. But it was after that, when the dove, the Holy Spirit, descended upon Jesus, that he said, well, God That's has it. told me that you <laughs> there know it is. him that. There it is. There it is. He, he's, that's who it is. Yeah. And, and I think it's important for us to acknowledge and see that in passages like this as well, when men like John or even the disciples or even the religious leaders are referring to the Messiah, their information, their thought process is generally going back to the book of Isaiah. All right. And so when John says, behold, the Lamb of God, I, I think. There is a lot of emphasis that John is placing really on that passage we all know and, and have such a great heart for, Isaiah 53.
this is the lamb. Yes. This is the one who is to come. And, and John acknowledges that about Jesus. And then the spirit. Yes. Uh, if you go to Isaiah as well, and you see this all through Isaiah, and this is said about the Messiah to come. Isaiah 42, uh, when you see the suffering servant song, uh, you see the idea, behold my servant in whom I have chosen. And he talks there about, I will put my spirit upon him. Uh, Isaiah 61. Uh, in fact, Isaiah 61 is actually the first sermon that Jesus will preach in his home synagogue. Again, the emphasis of one who will come to be the one who will take care of the brokenhearted, the one who will, who will, who will give sight. He's also the one whom the Lord will place His Spirit upon Him. You see that emphasis over and over again. The role of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, reveals the Son of God. In the same way for us today. Yes. It is the Spirit of yes. God, the Word, that reveals Jesus to us today. John saw it. Yes. As a dove. It looked like it probably wasn't specifically a dove. Something it, happened. But it was like so they like a dove. How how do we explain it humanly? Yeah. Yeah. But it was like a dove. And interestingly enough, I don't think we need to pass over the baptisms. No. John was baptizing. Um, this was something new. Yet the Jews were accepting it. Isn't it interesting? The Jews are going out there falling all over themselves to be baptized. We have a difficult time in this world today when we're told to be baptized <laughs> that we explain this away. But the Jews are out there being baptized for a particular reason. The kingdom is coming. Repent. Well, if you look back over in Ezekiel primarily, the Lord is talking about there's going to come a cleansing right. of Israel. And so we've got water. We've got to have cleansing. So... I think the Jew in that day was saying, well, he's talking about baptism. This may be in a response to what's been being said in Ezekiel about there being a cleansing. And so they were doing that. They were being baptized. And they accepted it. Uh, and, and they came with that in mind. The baptism suggested a new beginning, a change. Remember, John's preaching repentance. Yes. Jesus would preach the exact same sermon. So there was always a need for cleansing to come closer to God. And so... John's preaching that. Well, it's interesting. People say, well, he was uh, preaching a baptism of repentance. Yes, he was. But in Mark, he says a baptism of repentance and remission, remission forgiveness of sins. Sin. Well, and Paul tells us that, too, yes. when he describes that. And yes. F says the only difference is between, well, not the only difference, but the main difference between Jesus' baptism and John's baptism is the gift. the gift of the Spirit. The gift of the Holy and, Spirit. And then you have Which is salvation. Right. That dealing with that. So, yes, there was a baptism that was saving these people during this period of time, in this interim time, that we shouldn't uh, shortchange. It's, Not at it's all. happening. Not at all. It was very important to them. And so then you see it come around on the day of Pentecost. Yes. Same, same kind of attitude uh, is certainly there. And, and then, for those who are baptized on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit. Yes. Just like yes. you see that. Uh, uh, with Jesus, the Spirit is a part of it. Now, we go on. Are you good there? Yes. Okay, let's go on to verse 35 because now you're going to see a transition. And uh, the transition that is being made is John the Baptist decreasing so Jesus can increase. This will be emphasized much more in chapter 3. But we're kind of seeing a handing off of disciples. And so the disciples of John are now going to be pushed toward Jesus. Yes. And what do they see? Well, he says, this is the Lamb of God. Mm -hmm. 
And so two of them, Andrew, and I believe the other being John, uh, are listening to that. And so what do they say to him? Uh, they say, uh, Rabbi. Rabbi. First thing they say to him is Rabbi, teacher. So they're recognizing him as such. Um, where do you live? Well, come, I'll show you. And so they talked till the 10th hour. Whether that's, if it's Roman time, it's 10 in the morning. I'm going to guess it's probably Jewish time, which would be 4 in the afternoon. Later. Uh, and so one of the two who heard John speak says, I'm going to go hunt for my brother. Right. This Andrew. Well, John doesn't say anything about himself here, but I'm going to, I'm going to put in here, if Andrew went after Peter, I'm going to guess, very likely, John not saying it, but he probably went after James. Sure. So now we're talking about four, and now we're going to go and talk in a minute about Philip and Nathaniel, but what I wanted to say here, getting back to John just for a minute, John the Baptist, Pretty quickly in Matthew and Luke, uh, John is arrested just after this time and probably 29 through 35 is just after Jesus' temptation. So as quickly as the Lord is baptized and has been tempted and now he's back into circulation, it seems as if John is arrested. So yes, he is minimizing here. But some of that is because he's now going to prison. But now we have, I believe, at least two of John's disciples, and very likely all four of the, or six of these men are John's disciples. They didn't have to go very far no. to find them. <laughs> I mean, they're right there. Sure. And so I think that every one of these men were looking for the Messiah. They're hearing uh, John preach about the Messiah. And now John the Baptist says to these two, this is the Messiah. Yeah. And so what do they do? They jump all over that. Now here's something else for us to really try to put ourselves in their shoes to get a better understanding. There's probably a part of us that's going, you mean he just showed up and they took off after him? Well, understanding it from a cultural point of view, the Jews were greatly anticipating the Messiah yes. at this time. There was great, and so that's why they're, John, are you the one? Are, are you the one? Are you the one? And so when John, whom they all had a lot of confidence in, says, this is the one, and this is something that they've been longing for and looking for for hundreds of years, and they knew this probably was the time frame, especially you look at the book of Daniel and you kind of just count the dates. That's why there was so much anticipation and so much, if you will, just that great readiness to follow. Uh, now, Jesus is going to give them more reason to follow very soon. But you see the disciples immediately taking off. Now, something else I'd like for us to point out here is what John does for us. And this is John the Apostle in, in, in showing us what you might say in a theological point of view, the Christology of identifying the Christ. And what you have really from really verses 35 through the end of the first chapter is all the identifying monikers for our Lord Jesus. You'll notice he's described as the Lamb of God. They see him as rabbi, the teacher, the great teacher. You see him re referenced as the Messiah. He will be noted as Jesus of Nazareth, 
Jesus, the son of Joseph. He'll also be referenced in deity as the son of man, and as well as even the king of Israel. Yes. So you see all those monikers right off the bat. Again, John is giving us reference after reference, point after point. They knew who he was. They believed wholehearted who he was and who he was right at the beginning of the ministry. And I, and I think that we have to understand, yes, Israel was looking for the Messiah. They were piqued. The rabbis of that day were saying, look, it's going to be coming it's now. Yeah. The, the time frame is now. This is it. And so when John started preaching, wow, that really piqued their interest. This national thought here of it being the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah, and now he points him and says, he's here. This right. is the Messiah. Well, I think that John and Andrew specifically are believers. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. They've been following John. They've been hearing John. They've been hearing John say, he's coming. I'm preaching about it. We're witnessing this, and now here he is. Mm -hmm. So I believe, yes, it didn't take much for them to agree that this was the, the Christ. And then a few little things he does to these, to these gentlemen just really whets their appetite now. Well, let's, let's talk about one of the things that he does here with Nathaniel. Uh, John's the only one to mention this uh, as well. When Nathaniel is called, uh, Nathaniel's apparently sitting... All by himself. Yes. At least under a fig tree. Yeah, he's, right. he's all by himself. Uh, he, and, and I guess he can look around and see he's all by himself. But Jesus saw him. And Jesus not only knows him and knows where he was, it might be, and this is a hypothesis, but it might be that Jesus knew what he was thinking. He might have been thinking about Jacob. And here's why I say that. Because Jesus is going to say to Nathaniel, what, what a powerful phrase. Yes. Wouldn't you love Jesus to say this to you? But Jesus says to Nathaniel, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, here's why he may have been thinking about Jacob. Jacob, if you remember the story of Jacob, he was a cheater. He was filled with deceit. It's who he was. Uh, and, and that was his life. But Jacob would see something that would be magnificent to behold. He was given a vision, an insight that rarely was given, uh, even through all the Bible times. And he was given insight with the ladder of the angels ascending and descending from heaven. Notice what Jesus says to Nathaniel here. If you go down, he, and, and, and here's what Jesus says, and Jesus answered him, because I said to you, and I'm in, I'm in verse 50, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You think Jacob had a great sight? Nathaniel, you're going to get even a better even sight. More. Even more. And so you see that and... That is probably also one of those examples where all the other apostles, Nathaniel goes, all right, guys, nobody knew I was there. I was all by myself. Yeah. And this guy knew everything about me. He knew where I was. Even what I may have been thinking. Yeah, even what I may have been thinking. So uh, while we say that John is a book of signs, and we're going to actually begin yeah. that in chapter 2, that was a, that was a miracle yes. as well, clearly. 
All right. Anything else you want to cover in chapter one? Well, even Philip and Peter, it didn't take much. I mean, Jesus right there even changes Simon's name. Sure. Yeah. And nothing is said there. Uh, as, as far as Peter is concerned, whoa, wait a minute here. No, we, this is a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And so, and Philip, he just says, follow me. So I, again, want to emphasize these men were waiting on the Messiah. And it didn't take much, just a little push from John the Baptist. And now these two men going to, to their friends and brothers and saying, this is it. Yeah. This is he. Yeah. And now Jesus just does this to Nathaniel and just blows him away, saying, whoa, if he can see me underneath the fig tree the day before, uh, there must be something real about this. And, and maybe just one more point. We, uh, we've always kind of seen these guys as just being fishermen, and they're even mocked uh, in the book of Acts for being fishermen. But they were men of Scripture. Yes. They knew the Scriptures. And, and you'll notice that that is emphasized here as well. We found the one who Moses talked about and this is he this one from Nazareth Jesus the son of Joseph and so please note and this is what John is doing he emphasizes the Lord's humanity but also his deity right from the very beginning human and God any questions any comments on well I make one other point yeah. in, in John 1 and also John 2, John 3, and John 4. If you go to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, after Jesus' temptations, they immediately go into Galilee. That, we're going to find out here in John, is probably three to six months later. John is going to cover that period of time uh, between uh, the temptations and them going into Galilee. And we have some very interesting things happening here uh, that we're going to see in chapter 2 and chapter 3 uh, that happen in Judea and Jerusalem and in those areas before they ever get to Galilee. So John is saying, you boys got us into Galilee. There's some things that were very important that Jesus did before he went into Galilee. And that's what we're going to see in these next three chapters. All right, for time's sake... We're going to stop right there, but here's what we'd like to do, all right? We're going to move into chapter 2, and we're going to begin studying the very first sign, uh, John 20, 30 and 31, and many other signs that Jesus performed, but these are written, may believe. The word sign is simply the idea that we would think of a sign, not just a miracle, but a message. And so there is a sermon, a message in the miracles. Here's your homework assignment if you would like to play along at home. And shoot us an email. What is the message in this first sign? All right, this is the changing the water to wine uh, at the wedding feast. So what would be the message? What would be the sermon in the sign? It's more than just Jesus is saying, hey, look at me. I can perform a miracle. I must be God. Although there is a component of that, certainly in all the miracles. But John says the miracles were signs. They were pointing to something else, something greater. So play along with us, shoot us an email, shoot us a text. What is the message in the sign? Now, I will say this, we will probably move a little faster yeah. going forward. I know three classes now and we just finished the first chapter yes. and you're thinking, oh my word, there's 21 chapters in this book. Uh, we will be moving yes. a little quicker, trust us. We just find chapter one. 
variance options. Yes, <laughs> and if, if we get through chapter one and really set the basis for John, then we see the rest of these things sort of falling into place. Okay. All right. Uh, before we close, uh, we want to share just a couple of announcements with you. First of all, uh, our church family, uh, all of us, uh, are continuing to remember in prayer and lift up in prayer our sister Josephine. And so God bless her and her family. Uh, the memorial service for uh, Brother Henry will be this Saturday here at the building, and it will be for their family only. But we will certainly care for them, and uh, we will be providing food for the family afterwards. But Sister Josephine is certainly in our prayers. Also, Bonnie Johns, uh, she and her family are certainly in our prayers over the loss of her youngest brother. So uh, God bless her and her mother, who's now has lost uh, another son, uh, as, as Ron was telling us. So our prayers are with them as well. And then our prayers are certainly going out to the family and the good friends of Malia Martin and her family up in Tennessee, uh, that horrible carjacking and situation that took place. So we, we want to remember all these families and keep them in prayer. And if we have any updates or any news to pass along on any of these situations, we will certainly do that. Now, with respect to news and passing along, real quickly, just an update on gathering here at the building. Uh, we're going to have two services beginning September 27th. We'll have an 8.30 service and a 10 o'clock service, but there will be a difference between the two. And uh, what are we looking for in that first service? Well, the first service is going to be shorter, maybe a little less singing, but specifically, those who attend that first service, primarily it's going to be those people who are very concerned about coming out and haven't been coming to the previous but there may be others of you who want to do the early service. This is fine, but there's a caveat. If you come to that first service, no matter what age you are, we're going to ask you to be wearing a mask. Now, you can, three-year-olds and under can come to the 10 o'clock service without a mask. We're going to change that from two to three, uh, and you can come without the mask, but in that 830 uh assembly, we're going to ask you to please wear a mask if you bring children uh, to that service. Yeah, and, and ultimately what we're really trying to do here is provide an environment where most anybody in our church family can feel comfortable. So those with greater concerns, the 830 is going to be your assembly. I have about 30 people who've contacted me about attending uh, that assembly, so clearly we'll have plenty of room uh, to social distance. So if there's a few more, we still have more room. Uh, but really, if you have children, especially older children, uh, the, uh, the 10 o'clock service uh, will be your service. And again, just so you hear the change, uh, at the 10 o'clock service, children three and under do not need to wear a mask. So instead of just two and under, like Mark was saying, three and under do not need to wear a mask for that later service. And so thank you again uh, to everybody for your patience with us for your humility, and for all the acts of love that has been shared at this time. Anything else? I think that's it. Okay. Well, thank you so very much for joining us. Again, shoot us an email or a text uh, if you want to uh, answer that question regarding uh, the miracle at the wedding feast. Please do so. But Lord willing, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us.